Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up? This your boy, Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Welcome to Food 360, the podcast that serves up some serious food for thought. I'm your host, Mark Murphy. Today, I'm excited to welcome Amanda Mutaki, an American expat living in Morocco. She's the owner of Marrakesh Food Tours and her successful website, MoroccanMama.com. Amanda, welcome to Food 360. Thank you so much for uh, coming on to my podcast. And uh, I, I also know you because I follow you on Instagram, and I know, well, I've, everybody talks about you because the last time I, I saw you was when I was visiting Morocco, and you took us on an amazing food tour, and your Instagram name is Maroc Mama, which is, uh, where did that, where, why did you come up with that name? So Maroc means Morocco in French. Um, and mama, because I was a mom. So I actually started, I started my website long before Instagram was a thing. Um, and it was the idea that I was the mom of Moroccan kids. Um, but it was fun and it clicked and it was, you know, it sounded cute. And I don't know, I never really imagined that it would, (laughs) it would be what it is today. Um, that it would have had this sort of like this longevity because it's been like 13 years. Um, yeah, so that's how I came up with it, and then it stuck, and I had thought about changing it a while ago, and everyone's like, you can't change it, because that's what people know you as now, so So you live in Marrakesh. Give us a little, a, a quick description of your city that you live in now. Well, Marrakesh right now is a lot quieter than Marrakesh usually is, um, but normally Marrakesh is a crazy, crazy city. Um, I don't know if I've ever been anywhere on earth that quite has the same vibe as Marrakesh does. It's a total juxtaposition of like old and new and in some places it feels like you've gone back in time hundreds of years and in other places it's like um you're at a nightclub in Los Angeles or Las Vegas like it's it's a just a very kind of strange combination of things um but I love it because all of that coexists and everybody kind of lives together and does their own thing and nobody really cares what anybody else is doing like 
you can still be friends if you're super religious or if you're like out partying all the time, nobody really cares. I mean, that's, that's the great thing about Morocco is it is sort of, uh, it, it's a great melting pot. I think everybody's there. I mean, I think even, was it true that doesn't 50 Cent even owns a hotel there or has a club? And, and, and I think uh, Richard Bronson's uh, sister has a, uh, has a place there as well. I mean, it's basically, a lot of people sort of end up in Marrakesh. It's interesting. Yeah, that is very true. There's a lot, a lot of celebrities um, and like just big names and, and all sorts of things that are that are here that have, you know, investments or they live here part of the time. Um, yeah, it's just really become a place that people are drawn to. Um, but it's still like I feel like it hasn't really lost its soul yet. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully it well, keeps that I life. mean, it's been around um, a while. If it hasn't <laughs> lost its soul yet, I think yeah. we're okay. I mean, it's amazing. I think obviously the history of Marrakesh, the history of Morocco is is is, is so deep and so, uh, so long. We're obviously not going to get into all of that because it's definitely, we could go on for hours about that. But, you know, describe to me like the, the, the markets there and, and, and what does that feel like? And, and tell me, do, do, when I go there as a tourist, am I getting the same thing or am I eating and, 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 you know, acting the same way as, as obviously the locals do. I mean, you're a local there. So, I mean, are the, you're, you're, you're shopping at the same, same, uh, same food markets. I think that it, it depends on the Marrakesh experience you want to have. Right. I think that for people who come as a tourist, it can be difficult to have a very local experience, right? Like the markets that I go and shop in, in my neighborhood, Maybe you, Mark, would come and go shopping in that in that market. Um, but for the average tourist, they're not they're not getting there. <laughs> they, you know, it's just it's just too far off of the beaten path. Like you kind of have areas of Marrakesh that are where it's primarily locals, and then the other areas where tourists tend to go. Um, and I and I think you see like especially with the idea of this like shared economy where people are spreading out a little bit more and getting into more residential areas when they come to visit. Um, but yeah, the primary focus when people come is really in that kind of the Medina, the old, um, the old area of Marrakesh. And there are still people that live there that that's their home and they live there and, and they go to the markets there and everything. Um, but most tourists don't tend to get to get beyond that. So if you were going to a local market here, what would you experience? Um, I'm remembering the first time my mom came to visit because it was so overwhelming and different for her. So you have fruit and vegetable vendors selling out of carts, like wooden carts. Um, you've got, you know, butchers that are butchering animals just in the open out of their shop butchering chickens and there's meat hanging from hooks and um you know it's basically i think the exact opposite of what you expect in like a western grocery store where everything is nice and clean and packaged and presented to you nicely um but there's a real like earthy richness to that right because everything is fresh all of those vegetables all of the fruit they come every day from the farms outside of marrakesh um, you know, the butchers, well, it looks like there's this big slab of meat hanging and that's gross because you don't know how long it's been there. The butchers know how much they're going to sell. So they they put out what they know that they're going to sell so that it doesn't go bad. Um, so people just have like a much closer connection, I feel like, to the food than I ever had living in the U.S. 
Yeah, no, I mean, and that, and that's obviously a great thing because you're obviously, you know, you're using, you're using what you get and you're using, you're selling what they, you know, they, they sell exactly what they actually slaughter or whatever they bring to market. I think it's a, it's an important thing. I mean, and Marrakesh has been obviously known for its trade and it, it, over the centuries and years, it's, you know, so all of the trading going on there. And I think that one thing that you read about and I want to sort of talk about is the, the whole like sort of haggling uh, of prices. It just seems to be every tour book or every guidebook and everything you hear about Morocco is you have to sort of, you know, you're, you're supposed to sort of haggle. Uh, that's sort of, I, I, from what I understood, is sort of a tradition there and what it is. But it's so important when people travel. And I guess you, you, I, I, you probably encounter this a lot when you're giving tours and people haven't even done any research at all and don't know anything about anything. But it's so important to sort of get a little bit or understand a little bit of the flavor of the culture of a, of a place before you get there. And and can, can you describe that to me? Like sort of what is that? What what is what is that sort of haggling tradition? And also, what other things, if you're going to talk to people, they're going to come to Morocco the first time, what would you tell them the most important thing is before they get there, they have to understand, that they need to understand? Okay, so, ooh, that's a loaded one. Okay, so <laughs> for haggling, um, it's so outside of most people's comfort zones that come from a Western culture that I find it's something, yeah, you're right, everybody really struggles with this. They don't know how to do it. They don't want to insult anyone. They don't want to feel like they're getting taken advantage of. They don't know what they should haggle for or what they shouldn't. So it's a whole layer of complexity. So my best advice is just relax, make it a game, make it fun, laugh about it. If you're laughing and you're having a good time, the sales guy is going to be laughing and having a good time. And it's going to just release so much of the pressure. Um, and just being, I, you know, I've seen different people and people who are really anxious about it. It just ends really poorly. Um, but a good rule of thumb for that, for if you are going to haggle is you should, um, Cut it by at least half or le or more. Um, and then the idea is you're going to meet somewhere in the middle. Like, you know, you're going to meet somewhere in that like 50 to 70% of the original price. Um, but you don't haggle for things like, um, like bananas. You wouldn't haggle for bananas or you wouldn't haggle for like eggs, you know, things like that, that are kind of like daily things. That's like the price is kind of the price. You could say like, oh, wow, that seems like a little bit expensive. And the guy might say, okay, okay, I'll give it to you for like a little bit less, but then leave it at that. Like that's sort of the end of it. It's just him doing sort of doing you a, doing you a favor. Um, but for like bigger purchases where you're, um, you know, if you're going to buy a piece of furniture or you were going to buy a rug or, um, you know, something that costs that's more expensive, then you absolutely haggle. I did want to just quickly uh, jump in here because you, you, uh, the, the credibility you have of why you know all these things, and I don't, I don't think I said it at the top, is you have a, um, a, a company called Marrakesh Food Tours, you and your husband, is that correct? So you're, you're, you are yes. an official tour guide and, and a, a voice of recognizing what, what is happening in Morocco. But go ahead. I'm sorry. So you're saying when you're buying furniture or rugs, that's when you haggle more? Yeah. So like if it's a bigger, a bigger price item, then you definitely do. And if you accept the price that the guy, that the salesperson gives you, they will have no problem taking your money. Um, but you might have, <laughs> you might not feel so good partying with it. Um, but it's definitely expected and 
you shouldn't feel bad about it. It's part of the game. Like I said, if you can make it into a game and you can like loosen up and, and just be lighthearted about it and also be okay walking away, you're not going to make anybody angry. Like they expect it. You know, it's not going to be the first time it's happened to them. So they, ex- they expect you to sort of haggle. And, and if you can't come up on a decision, they're okay with you walking away. They're like, okay, well, we'll get the next guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you shake hands, you say, yeah, you know what? I, this is just not in my budget or, you know, it's more than I want to spend. And you walk away and sometimes they'll come out after you and they'll say, okay, okay. Uh, yeah. All right. I'll take your price, your final price. Right. And you can decide if you, if you want to go back and do that. And sometimes they don't, and that's fine. And it, you know, it's gotta be a win for that's both so of you. Funny. And what, so that, that's sort of just the shopping sort of people need to know what, what's the other main thing that people should know when they come to Morocco? I think the other thing that I would tell people is just don't come with a preconceived notion of what it is. Because what I find happens a lot is that people have an idea in their mind of what Morocco is or what Morocco isn't, and then they're not really sure what to make of anything, right? So if you come with a a very open mind to experience Morocco for what it is, I just feel like your experience is going to be very, very different than if you come expecting something like, um, so how can I, I'll give an example. Like a lot of people think Morocco is extremely conservative or that it's a dry country. There's no alcohol here. Yeah, Morocco is a Muslim country primarily, but I would not say that it's an extremely conservative country. Like there's a thing with being respectful of the culture and the people. Um, but, but if you're wearing a dress, uh, you know, for a woman, for example, sorry, I can't speak for guys, but, um, (laughs) if you're a woman and you're wearing a dress out, like nobody's going to pelt you with stones. Um, it's not, it's just not that way. It's very, you know, it's very cosmopolitan in a lot of ways. And I think you just, um, you know, just go with the the understanding that there will be things you don't understand and it will be different, but, but just go with an open mind. I mean, I, I felt definitely that way. I, I went with a group of people, uh, for, for, we were in Morocco for a couple, for a little over a week, I think, yeah, about a year ago. Um, and, and I, I felt the same thing. It's like, you know, you, you just go with an open mind. They're definitely, the people are so accepting and people are just super nice. Everybody's nice. And I guess I've always, when I, I've traveled a lot, so whenever I go somewhere, I always expect people to be nice because, I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, what's the, it's so much more difficult not to be nice, I find. Um, but, but Morocco, I think that, uh, and, and you will get into your, your, a little bit of your background in a minute, but you're there, you have a tour company and, um, you, you landed in this, in this amazing place. But tourism is a huge part of the economy now. Is that correct? Because, you know, I, before I came to Morocco, I did do, I tried to do some research and I found some old travel books of, from like the seventies and things like that. And there was a lot of oh, wow. negative, uh, vibe in, in these books about being careful about this, about that. And, and, and mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I might've heard this in Morocco, but I've been traveling, obviously I travel a lot, so I don't remember where I get everything from, but is it true that there's no word in, in Moroccan that says tourists? It's only the word that it, there's the, you're a guest of the kingdom. Is that, is that true or am I making that up? It could okay. be. I mean, it sounds possible. I'm not fluent enough to know specifically if that if that is is true or not. Now I'm very curious, though. I'm going to find out. Um, but yeah, I, was, I guess I'm trying to think of what what words people use when they refer to tourists. Usually, it's not tourists. They might say like a foreigner, or they might say like your nationality. 
But you don't, um, there's, there's, yeah, there's not I mean, a word how, for tourist in, 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 in Morocco, is there? I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I can't, I, I'm trying to think if I know it off there. Yeah, I don't know, maybe. We're, we're learning I, that, That's just interesting. <laughs> I, I think, I yeah, think one of our yeah. tour guides when we were in the mountains, uh, when we went up uh, to the Atlas Mountains, I think uh, he, he is the one who told us about that. So maybe, maybe, who knows? I mean, I love... I love the idea, you know, not having the word tourist and you're a guest of the kingdom. It's like it's so much more pleasant, you know. Yeah, and I think most Moroccans look at the, at the, the uh, look at it that way that people are really seen as guests, and there's ext- an extreme culture of hospitality that is lovely and charming, and also difficult to understand as somebody who didn't grow up in in this culture um and just how that how those two things kind of collide with the, with you know the american culture i grew up in let's hit it give me a vacation, vacation. give me a wave Surfing. give me a city tour the trolley. give me animals the zoo. give me some sea life <laughs> Give me museums. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's super interesting to me, and, and obviously my podcast, we talk about everything about food, and, and you're very entrenched in that, but you're, you're not the first person in, that I've encountered that this whole sort of food tourism is really catching on. When we go places, we look for people. I was in, I was in Istanbul. We found somebody who showed us around Istanbul, but just through the eyes of food. And so when did you decide to start this, uh, this tour company with your husband? And, and do you mostly concentrate on food or you obviously you might have to diversify and, and just do other stuff as well, but it's, it's, it's super, 
I don't know. I think I, I travel through my stomach, basically. I go and eat the countries, but that's how I do it. And it's really helpful to have people like you that are there that can show people around. Yeah, I mean, I'm the same when I travel. And so I think that's really where it came from. Like, I don't, like, honestly, I don't really care if there's a great museum or whatever. I'm like, where can I get, where can I get the best kanafa? Or where can I get, like, like I just want to know where to eat. Like, just tell me that and maybe I'll see something else. Um so yeah, we moved here. We're finishing seven years that we've been living in Morocco. Um, and when we first moved here, we were both working from home and we would go like to the square in Marrakesh and have like a coffee. So we'd sit in a cafe and we'd watch because it's a great place to people watch. There's Moroccans, there's tourists, there's you know, anything and everything is going on. And you can just kind of sit back and watch and see what's what's happening. Um, and so, you know, we would make up little stories about what these people were doing. And, and it became this whole thing that my husband and I would do. Um, and then it started to be where we would see them going into like certain places and we'd be like, oh, like, don't go eat there. Like you could go if you just went like four more places away, it would be so much better. Um, and, and I was like, oh, it's just really, it's too bad because people asked me all the time where to go and eat. Like they'd ask for my blog, like, where can I go and eat? in Marrakesh, but it's so hard to tell people where to go and eat unless it's like a proper restaurant, right? That has a, a name and a address and all of those things. But if you go into the Medina of Marrakesh, forget it. Like you're not going to find the places that I would tell you to go because there's no street names or they're very limited. You're, you, it's just like a windy maze. There's no restaurants that are like labeled. And even if you did walk into places where I'd tell you to go, like you'd be like, this is not a restaurant. I'm not eating here. <laughs> Um, so we realized the only way that we could really get people to have this experience was to take them ourselves. Um, and we really, so this was about six years ago and we didn't really know what a food tour was at the time. We hadn't ever done one. Um, but I happened to go to Madrid for, for something. I don't remember what, um, and I did a food tour in Madrid and it was the first time I'd done one, completely loved the idea came back to Marrakesh and told my husband, look, we don't have the capital to start a shop or any other kind of business. This is going to cost us almost nothing to start. I know how to build a website. I already have a built-in audience who's asking me how to do this. We know where to go and eat. Um, we could totally do this. And he's like, it's never going to work because you're the only one who's a freak and likes to travel and eat. And that's all you care about. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like there's so many people like me that, that love to do this. And he's like, okay, fine. Um, we can try it. And if it doesn't work, I was right. You were wrong. We'll chalk it up to that. I'm like, okay. And when it does work, I'm right. And I get to be right forever. <laughs> um, <laughs> sounds like a typical marriage, so that typical was marriage going on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's how it came to be. And we spent a couple, two months, maybe going around, picking out our favorite spots because, you know, they had to be places that we could walk to that had a story that they kind of built a cohesive sort of menu around. Um, and we tried to pick places that my mom would never walk into because there was like no menu, no English. It was too like not restauranty, um, but places where my mother-in-law would go and eat. So that's, that's kind of like our barometer of choosing a place. Uh, yeah, so it took about two months. Um, I built a very basic web page, launched it, and like people were interested sort of right away. Like it, it wasn't like a rocket ship, but I mean, like it took off um, and we were able to really build out a company with what started as maybe we'll run two tours a week or a tour. And, a and week. Uh, obviously before the, uh, the, the, the lockdown, so to speak, if it, well, how many tours a week were you doing? Um, we were running about 12 
12 to 14 a week. A week. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of tourism in, in Morocco, right? Is that it's a huge, huge part of yeah. the country, which obviously the country is not, you know, it must be difficult right now. We'll get to, we'll get to what's happening now and what the future looks like in a bit. But so you, you, you picked up your, now let's go back. You're, you met your husband in Morocco. You guys got married. I know there was a very, a, a great story there, but you, and then you lived in America <laughs> for a while and then you guys moved back. What was yep. that like becoming, being, uh, you know, being an American and, and patriating and going and, and becoming, living in Morocco like was it and, and now you're raising three children there as well was it the bureaucracy is it like every other country I mean you, you know you got to go get your paperwork and do this what, what was the transition like for you it was our plan was we were going to come for one year and we just wanted we had our two older kids they were six and eight when we moved and they were going to learn Arabic and French in one year that was our plan <laughs> small goals um, and like six months into it, we realized they weren't that bright. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we realized that <laughs> it was just going to take them longer. Um, and so we decided we would stay longer and then we started the company and what, and, and everything. And we're still here. Um, but what was hard was language was the hardest thing for me. So I was always extremely independent and I am extremely independent. Um, but being put into a foreign um, a foreign country where you don't speak the language um, is very isolating. And it took me a long time to even get up enough courage. Even if I understood what was going on, it takes a long time to get not afraid to talk and not to be misunderstood, I feel like. Um, so it really took me like two years to feel comfortable here, comfortable enough to like go out, do my own thing, do my own shopping, like to be completely independent where I didn't really need anybody. Um I think that was the hardest part. Um, everything else, I mean, I, I was, I'm, I'm a fairly flexible, adaptable person. So it wasn't, it wasn't so huge, but like just the language and the loss of my independence was really, really tough. And where, where were you born originally? Where's your family from? Yeah. The upper peninsula upper of Michigan. Upper peninsula of Michigan. And now you live in, in Marrakesh in Morocco. It's, it's the, the, the difference in cultures. I mean, it's a, I mean, like you, you explained it Huge. earlier when your mother comes to visit, she's like, okay, we're going to eat where, right? You're going to, you have those, that, that culture difference. And what is it like raising your children in, in, in this, I mean, do they, do you come back and do they come back and forth? Do they, do they come back to America and then go back? And what is the, what, what is it like for you guys? Yeah. So we do usually come back in the summertime, which is the best time to go to Michigan when there's not snow and it's not negative 50 degrees. Um, so we usually spend the summers in the States and then the rest of the year here. Um, and they, you know, it's hard because they're teenagers now. So it's like teenagers are weird anyway, and it's, they're hard to read. Um, so sometimes they're fine with it and sometimes they really want to go back. And I know my, my oldest son is looking at universities now. And so he's like, nope, I'm going back to the U.S. I'm American. I'm going back to America. Um, but I think from an, a parent's point of view, I feel like they're better rounded people for having had this experience, like that they have a broader outlook on the world um, than they would have had if, if we um, if we had stayed in the U.S. And as much as they feel like, I feel like they, they will have some identity issues with what are they, where do they fit, what 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 does that look like? Um, I feel like as they become adults, they'll they'll get an understanding of that and they'll be able to, you know, they'll be able to make their own choices because they will have had both experiences. So hopefully it works out that way. And they're trilingual now, so please someday they should thank me for this. 
<laughs> and what as you said it took you two years to learn to, to learn how to speak Arabic, but you there's a different dialect in Marrakesh as well. Is that correct? Yeah. So Moroccan Arabic is a different is its own dialect of of Ar- of the Arabic language, and it's very different than say, for example, Jordanian Arabic or Iraqi or or from the broader Middle East. Um, so. It's not super usable outside of this region, sort of Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, but in school, the kids learn classical Arabic. So Moroccans can understand like classical Arabic, no problem. It's just nobody can really understand them when they speak their language. They can understand everybody else. Nobody can understand them. I've got you. So let, let's talk about the food. Uh, let, let's talk about the actual food in, in, in Morocco. So, so, so first of all, there's uh, there's all sorts of cooking going on in tagines. And and there's, for I, I, of course, as soon as I got back from Morocco, bought tagines. And then I, pres- I, I, I proceeded to put way too much stuff in it and trying to cook it and really messed it up my first time. I'm getting better. I realize it needs a lot more space and it's got to cook obviously slowly, but it needs more space to cook. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. Um, but so I've, I've done it again and I've done it better, but, um, let's talk about some of the tradition, traditional dishes of, of Morocco and what, what is, what is the most popular dish in Morocco? Okay, so I think this is where the whole tourist and local divide kind of comes in. So for locals, the traditional Moroccan diet is very heavy in vegetables and grains. And meat was something that was extra if you could afford it. So today, what you see if you come as a tourist is a lot of meat, maybe some vegetables, and well, of course, lots of bread. Um, so it's, it's, it's shifting a little bit. And it, as, as Morocco does better, like economically, you see more meat coming into the diet, more processed foods, more takeout, more things like that. Um, I think one of the like classic, classic Moroccan dishes is chicken tagine with preserved lemons and olives, which you'll find on literally every menu that you can come across when you come to visit. Um, and, you know, it's very simple, very classic, um, very delicious. And I think another... Um, you know, I, another one would be maybe couscous, uh, which is very popular, which is like a steamed semolina grains with vegetables. And usually lamb is like the most traditional. Um, it's made with lamb. Um, those would be two, two really popular, well-known dishes that every Moroccan in any corner of the country is going to eat. Um, and then in Marrakesh, we have tangia, which is not tagine. Um, and it's just really slow cooked lamb that's cooked in a clay pot in the coals of a, of a fire for like all night, 12 hours, 14 hours, really long time, um, with preserved lemons and garlic and saffron, cumin, very simple, um, but comes out delicious. It's like the original slow cooker meal. It's, it's like the crock pot, um, right, of Morocco. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, I, I, I really, exactly. I mean, I, the preserved lemon is one of those things that's just so classically Moroccan. Um, I, of course, have, mm-hmm. I make them myself now and I have a big jar of it and I love using it. But I know that you can you can also use it too much. I've, I've been like, it, it can really overtake a dish. So it's really just a, a small hint in the background of, of, a, of a dish. But they're basically lemons that you use salt and you stick them in a jar basically and leave them for a, a couple months and then they're just, you know, that's preserved lemons. That's, is that how, do you make your own or do you buy them? 
No, I, I mean, I do make them and I buy them. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. When I lived in the States, I made them all the time. But when you have them here and they're so easy and accessible, it's hard sometimes not to just buy them. Um, but yeah, they're super, super easy to make. And I think there is a tradition too of like preserving things because it's a, it's a, it's an arid climate. So anything that you want to last longer than a few days when there was no refrigeration had to be preserved. So, you know, preserving lemons was a way to make them last longer. Um, I have a cookbook that's Jewish Moroccan cooking and they have like preserved kumquats and yeah, just like all these other, you know, things that they, that they use, um, and the meat, I don't know if you tried this when you were here. You did. I think I fed I it to you. I think I did, yes. The, the, <laughs> the clear, which is like the lamb that's been preserved and stored in fat, lamb fat, and then it's cooked with eggs. Yeah, or it could be in couscous. Sometimes they put it in couscous. And that's for breakfast, um, right, usually? Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. Usually it's eaten for breakfast, but yeah, you could put it in couscous too. Sometimes if people don't have fresh meat, they might use that if they want to add some meat to, um, to it. Well, it, it is amazing that, I mean, the, the Moroccan diet, I think, as you're saying, is it's so much heavier on vegetables. And I think that's the way people, you know, probably it's a much, it's a much healthier diet, obviously, to be able to do that. It's, it's a healthier way to, to live is to eat, you know, less meat and more vegetables is, is, is good. The only thing that always gets me in Morocco is that tea. I mean, it just, I mean, you, you, your teeth fall out when you taste it. There's so much sugar in it, I find. It's like <laughs> you're getting really good vegetables and all that, but the mint tea, I always find, and I've, I've, it was, it, it's so, so strong, and, and obviously with the mint, but also uh, the, the sugar content is quite high. And you took us to a great sort of tea tasting. This is just one of the things that you do on your tour, I guess. You, we stopped into this restaurant and we had all these different teas. And I'm trying to remember one of them that, that I really liked. And it was like, the, I, I can't remember what was, can you just describe the tradition of tea and, and the different teas in Morocco? Yeah, sure. So the most traditional is mint tea, of course, and mint is everywhere. And it's so cheap here. Like I can't even when I go back to the US, I just want to die with how expensive it is. Um, and the reason so do you know the reason I think I told you guys, but the reason why it's so sweet is that sugar is a sign of wealth. So sugar was something that was, you know, sometimes it was worth more than gold, because it was something that was just very difficult to get. Um, and so if you're served tea without sugar, it's a subtle way for someone to tell you you're not oh, welcome. Oh, well, isn't that nice? Um, That's throwing some shade, so, huh? Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. So, but it, but they're not, they're so hospitable. They're not going to say like, oh, I'm sorry. I have an appointment in a, in a half an hour. Like, can you come back later? They'll just make the tea with no sugar. And then you understand that, oh, this person actually like has something that they need to do. So it's a way for you not to offend anyone um, sort of subtly. Um, yeah. So if you get a lot of sugar, it means that they really like you. And if you get no sugar, it means it's time to go home. Um, <laughs> and hopefully it's something in between, right? Yeah. So this is a way tea is like, also drinking tea is a way of inviting someone to your family. So like when my husband and I got married, we don't drink alcohol. So we didn't have a champagne toast. Um, instead, we had teacups brought from Morocco for everyone, and we um, we like explained to them the tradition, and then we drank tea with everyone as a way of welcoming them as a part of our new family. Um, so it's just kind of it's it's got a really nice uh, a nice story and a nice reasoning behind it. Um, but you'll always find a pot of tea on no matter where you go. If you go to someone's house, they will make you tea without even asking. Um, you know, you'll drink it like 
five times a day. It's totally normal, which adds up to a lot of sugar if you're not careful. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the history behind it. So the mint tea is the most popular, but then you also find, especially in the winter time, they make a tea with a bunch of different like wild herbs that are mixed, especially in the mountain regions of Morocco. So it could be things like thyme, sage, um, even sometimes you'll find like verbena, um, trying to think of some more off the top of my head, but just like, you know, a mixture of wild herbs. Um, and that's really nice. Uh, thyme, of course, saffron tea in the Southern regions of Morocco is pretty popular where it's just saffron threads, which is a very expensive tea to have. Um, yeah. And you'll find different parts of the country have different ways of doing it. People say in Marrakesh, it's this tea is a lot sweeter than if you were in Rabat. Um, so yeah, there's just like a wide, wide range. It's, it's just, but it's, again, it's one of those things, whether you're in the furthest de desert reaches of Morocco or like the most urban, fancy restaurant in Casablanca, mint tea is going to be there. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com, that's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Like, what spice really defines Morocco? I know there's blends and there's different things, but what, talk to me about the spices, because the spices, when you walk around in, in, in Marrakesh and you see these, these, all these beautiful spices out, but what, what, is, what, what is the Moroccan spice? The, the, I don't know, sort of like their, their flag. <laughs> you know, to me, what I always think of is cumin. Like, cumin is the spice that pops out to me as being super prevalent in most Moroccan food. Um, and onions, I mean, that's not really a spice, but like onions also you find in 
literally almost every, every food in Morocco. Um, and they're cheap, which I think it might be part of why, <laughs> why that is. Cumin, cumin and garlic, um, cumin and onion, definitely. And it, and it was interesting because they don't really use garlic when they use onion. Is that correct? I, I can't remember. There was something like that. Yes. What's the rule? <laughs> yes. Yeah, they don't use them together. They really like almost never use them together. It's either one or the other. And I don't I'm not sure entirely where that comes from. It's something that I've tried to research a little bit. And it may possibly come from the Moroccan Jewish tradition because they don't mix onion and garlic. So it may be something that kind of like crossed over there somehow at some point. Um but yeah, never, almost Which never. Which is very strange with the amount of French influence there because the French love cooking with garlic and onions together. And it's a, a then they don't, what, what, what French traditions do you see that are still sort of around or did they, when they left, they left, they said, forget it. We don't want any of their traditions. Um, I think what you would see left is like bread, baguettes. They're not called baguettes here, but um, comer, they're called comer. And it's like the French baguette, but lighter, not as dense, not as thick. Um, and the patisserie. So a lot of the cakes and the um, pastries and things like that. But I mean, the French, even though they had a big impact, like the, the time that they were actually in Morocco was really such a blip in the, the, the whole like lifespan of the country um, that maybe it wasn't long enough really for a lot to, to um, permeate, especially when it comes to like culinary traditions. Right. You, you know what I also remember very vividly, I think you took us to one, but it was one of these community ovens, these places where I guess, and it just makes so much sense to me where, you know, if, if the bread baker is making bread for the town or the village, or and you know there's all that residual heat. Let's use it. Let's keep it going. So bring your cookies, bring whatever, bake it off. And is it, but is and that's still something that happens in 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 Morocco. Is that correct? Totally. Yeah. Every even in the new newer communities, like newer subdivisions, newer areas of the city that are being built up, these traditional ovens are still being built into these communities. Even though everybody probably has an oven at home, um, it's just so it's just like such an ingrained part of the tradition. Um, and yeah, it used to be that everyone would bring their loaves from home and have them baked every day in these ovens. And that practice is dying down a little bit. Just, I think so many more people are working and they're out of their home that it just has become like a little less practical. So they've started baking, baking bread that can just be bought. Like they just sell it then to the bakeries where people can buy it or they can buy it direct from the ovens. Um, but some people still bring their bread in or they bring pans of fish, you know, trays of big trays of fish to be cooked or cakes or cookies, or I bring my Thanksgiving turkey. Um, oh, you do? You can bring whatever you want. Yeah, you can bring whatever you want. That's fantastic. So you're <laughs> keeping up with some of the American traditions there. But um, so, I mean, this is it, this is amazing. I mean, I, I love that you, you you found something that you love, uh, which is food, and you you created this tour guide company around around this. And I, I love that. But now I'm sort of, now let's talk about today. What is, what is going on in Morocco? Obviously, uh, you know, most of these countries are all locked down. There's not any tourism probably. I don't know if you have local tourism coming in. What are you guys doing? How are you faring during this time? Yeah, so we're actually still locked into our houses really? in Marrakesh. We're not allowed out yet. Yeah. Um, so we just recently, on the 10th of June, um, they split the country into two zones. One zone where people are allowed out of their houses um, and they can stay sort of in their region. And the other zones where people are still supposed to be inside their homes um, and only going out for like shopping or very specific things. And we also have only one person per home is allowed out with a permission slip. So it's, it's, um, it's a bit more severe than in other places. 
Um, and hopefully we don't have a lot of cases. I think that they're very afraid of overwhelming the medical system with uh, if there was a major outbreak. Um, so they've done well. We've, we have like 204 deaths only, I think, in the country, and it's uh, 37 million people. So that's, that's okay. Um, I mean, it's not okay for the people that have passed away, but, but you know what I mean? Um, and yeah, unfortunately, they don't really have any plan that they've told us about, about when it might be opening, when international flights might be allowed back, when anything, what, what it even looks like. Only in the last maybe two weeks have restaurants been able to open for takeout or delivery um, options. So we're still really in the beginning stages of a recovery. There was some optimism by September, things might be sort of back to normal. I'm reluctant to agree with that. So most of what we're planning on is for next right. year. Right. So you're just sort of hunkering down, probably doing a lot of home cooking right now and uh, trying to keep the kids entertained, I guess. That's, that's and, and the homeschooling, so to speak. Uh, wow. So that's that, that, yeah. that's pretty amazing. And um, so I, I noticed actually just today, I don't know if you you, you, you launched something online for uh, to try to visit Morocco. Mm. What is what, what is that exactly? Yeah. So I was trying to come up with some ideas of just ways to keep people interested in Morocco and keep hopes up and also keep myself busy a little bit since we don't, I mean, not like having kids and keeping me busy enough. But um, so the idea was I, I loved these choose your own adventure books when I was a kid where you kind of read the pages and then you pick like, do you want to go to the castle or do you want to kill the villain? You know, like mm -hmm. those, those types of stories, you know, go to page 73. Um, so I, I had this idea that why couldn't that work with Morocco? So for pe for travel, so for people who can't leave home or, or can't come right now, um, I created this program where you can go on, you, you sign up, you get your boarding pass, um, you go to different cities in Morocco, um, that I'm, I think I have six or seven up right now and it, it'll grow as time goes on. Um, and then in each city you get to pick like two different activities. So do you want to have a Tangia picnic or do you want to learn about henna? Um, so you pick one or the other. And then if you pick the picnic, for example, I give you my Tangia recipe and how to set up a picnic at home. Um, so you can do these online activities where you learn about the place and there's videos and there's interaction and you can take them offline. So if you've had way too much screen time, there's a book of all the activities that comes along with it, a PDF book that comes along with it. So you can try some of the things at That's home. That's very cool. Very, very cool. Well, I, this has been a, this has been a great chat. If it remind me, it is. It, so you, you guys just really quickly for, I think something else that people know should know if they're going to come and visit Morocco once all this lockdown is over, but it's a kingdom, right? So there's a king and he, yes. I heard he, he just had surgery yes. recently, didn't he? he had, was that, is, is he okay? He's okay. From what we know, he um, he had a heart surgery. I guess he has some a minor heart murmur, but um, they don't say too much. But he seems to be healthy and and well, and and that's a that's a good thing. He's a he's a pretty good leader. Well, yeah, no, I think I, when we were there, we realized you know there's been there's there's always a lot of talk around around the king and and what they're doing and what they're doing for the people, and and it seems to be you know you guys are hopefully they're hopefully they're taking good care of you. I mean, hopefully this lockdown is over soon. What do you see in the future? I mean, obviously it's probably going to not be quite yet you're going to be giving tours but um i, I guess are, are you when you do get out of the lockdown are you gonna you're probably gonna have to go sort of scour the streets and see who's still open and see what traditions have happened and what is what what, what new things that might have come because i think every country and everybody or there everybody's learning something new right now by 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 having to be locked down 
or everybody's thinking new, new ideas. And I guess, have you heard anything? Or I guess if you're still locked up now in your house, unfortunately, it's difficult to know, but it's going to be interesting to see what comes of all this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we're definitely going to reduce our tour size. Like we always kept smaller tours anyway, but I think we'll reduce them even more now, especially in the near future. Um, and we have been keeping up with all of our vendors and, and trying to support them and um, as much financially as we're able to, since they're not really getting any revenue that's coming in. Um, so we've really been trying to do what we could, um, what we can with that, um, which has been helpful since a lot of people who had to cancel were willing to use gift certificates instead of ask for refunds. So that's really helped us keep some of our vendors, um, our vendors afloat. Um, yeah, so it's just going to be a project of going around and seeing who's open, who's doing what, um, and, and maybe, you know, doing some more like kind of outside of Marrakesh things to the mountains or to different areas that are a little more rural, um, just to give people, you know, uh, I guess, it seems like people want to be away from people a little bit, like they want to be with people, but still keep some distance. So we're just looking into some different options for doing that. Too. Well, I got to say when this lockdown is over, I mean, I hope everybody listening that can go and check out Marak Mama on her Instagram and her, her website. What, what is your website again? You, you'll probably say it better than I do. Yeah, it's just MarakMama.com is my website. And Instagram is at Marak Mama. Well, I got to tell you, I hope you hope, hope things get back to normal quickly and uh, love the food tour. Thank you so much for what you did for me and for my friends and my family when we were there. We got to really explore explore Marrakesh through food, which is most people that I travel with and my family, that's the way we like to experience the world as well. I do try to hit the museums every once in a while, though. You got to, you know, you got to <laughs> at least tell people you stepped foot in there, at least take a picture. But, well, thanks so much. I should ex- give it a exactly. chance. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Amanda, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was really, really wonderful. And uh, I'm, I'm wishing all the, all the best to you and your family and everybody staying safe and healthy. Thanks so much, Mark. And the same to yours. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. Roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.